This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 532, another conversation with John Rhett Thomas, otherwise known as Gormu. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm Adam Chapman, your host, and uh, this episode is uh, its a fun one. It's episode 532. It's a conversation with John Rhett Thomas, otherwise known as Gormu or the Marvel Masterworks board. Um, we talk uh, a lot of different stuff. We talk about what John's been up to lately. Uh, we go through some uh, questions, um, and we also uh, discuss some uh, releases from the past year and also in the upcoming year, uh, surprises, things we're looking forward to. Um, so it's an interesting grab bag, but uh, it was a, a f- fun, as always, to have John on the show, and I'm hoping uh, that you enjoy uh, his return appearance. It's been a little while since we've had him on the show. Uh, his last appearance was on February 2nd earlier this year. Um, at the time, we did a Collected Editions market update, and originally we uh, we had thought that we might be able to do that again, but uh, he's been so busy with work, he hasn't had a chance to really uh, update the uh, the Danger Zone list or the Highway to the Danger Zone list. Um, so that might be something we'll do at some point uh, in 2018. Uh, so instead, we just kind of uh, freeformed, and we talked about a, a bunch of different things. Again, he's working on some projects. He uh, Gave us some hints uh, about uh, the official previews for uh, some of the upcoming Marvel Masterworks. Um, so there's some really fun stuff in here, and I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, so without further ado, let's uh, stop t- with my chattering and on to the actual bulk of the episode. But before I do, you can always email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. One final note, I also want to thank uh, a listener who posted a review on the American version of iTunes, which I don't immediately see because I am Canadian and I uh, so I recently was uh, just kind of casually checking them like oh I wonder if I have any rating reviews on um, the American iTunes and I did so I want to thank Sly Cat uh, he says uh, five stars a podcast unlike any other the range of variety you can get from his podcast is great I mostly listen to the comic interviews fantastic interviews and great questions a podcast for those who are looking for for variety and glances into the comic stories we love to read with words from the writers and artists we adore highly recommended so thank you very much Sly Cat I do appreciate that hopefully you're still listening and uh let's get into the conversation with john enjoy john welcome back to the comic shenanigans podcast thank you very much glad glad you uh have wanted me back for i think a third time uh i think it's it might actually be fourth now that i think about it i, I think let's call it fourth time this is the fourth time <laughs> we're getting up there <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, people, people love having you on, so and it's always a pleasure. And the last time we had a lot of good feedback because we did the uh, the market watch update, and there's a few th- specific things I wanted to chat about this time around, and we have some sure. listener questions, so that we'll make it uh, so that there's not a dull moment. All right. So before we talk about anything, um, I want to know what you're working on right now. Let's 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 hit what, what's what's uh, what's Gormu working on right now. <laughs> well, um, and that's a. <laughs> That, that's a question that can change uh, minute by minute. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to be working on um, getting the Masterworks preview ready for later this week, uh, but that's for the website. But I've been working, um, uh, you know, I'm a freelance uh, writer and editor, as, as many who know me know, and I've been working um, on a book that was just recently announced. Um, I can, you know, it was, uh, it's a book for Tashin, Tashin Books, which is the mm-hmm probably the worldwide leader in kind of their milieu, what they do, which is really big, impressive uh, coffee table books. And so um, I'd, I'd helped them out on um, the Marvel 75th anniversary book they did. And I've helped them on a few other books as well that aren't comic book related. But um, the one that was just recently announced was uh, for Stan Lee. 
and um, it's basically um, the Roy Thomas doesn't call it a biography. It definitely has biographical elements. Roy has written the main essay portion of the book, and um, it's basically probably the best stand book you could ever want on your shelf. Of course, um, it's it's going to be a very big book. <laughs> so you'll need a very big shelf to put it on, so it's probably best for uh, your coffee table. So, but yeah, it's a, you know that's what I've been working on, and we've been working on it for the last two years. It's been it's been going on that long for me. Wow! And um, and so these last few weeks and the next couple weeks are the final uh, go around for me on 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 my my work on the book. Now, how did you originally get in, uh, approached by Tashin and involved in the project? Well, I had uh, been working with them on the Marvel 75th book, and so okay. it was just sort of a natural progression to to work on other comic-related books. Um, and so uh, the Stan Lee project was just, you know, sort of the next obvious thing for me to help out on. Mm-hmm. What was it like working with Roy? Well, uh, still working with Roy. Uh, Roy, uh, Roy wrote the essay in the book, um, and uh, which is very substantial. And uh, Roy, of course, is a hero of mine from growing up reading uh, all his comic books that he wrote uh, in the early '80s um, when I started reading comics. He was at DC mostly, so I read his All Star Squadron, and that was probably my favorite. One of my favorite DC comics. Mm-hmm. And, um, so to be able to work directly, you know, with Roy on this uh, project is is pretty phenomenal for me. It's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And Roy himself, <clears throat> Roy is just lots of fun to work with. He's pretty great. Uh, you know, <laughs> without giving away too much about the guy, but uh, we've had a great working relationship. I think he's really enjoyed working with me too, which I'm which I'm very thankful for. So That's pretty awesome. When uh, when does this, do we have a projected kind of date for on sale when people can enjoy this book next year? Yeah, it's going to come out next year. Um, I, I don't know precisely when, um, but it will be next year. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, maybe the summer or the spring. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. My, my <laughs> job is just to finish the book. <laughs> so Absolutely. Once well, once I get that done, then uh, the next stage can happen. So, but the first, it's important to say that um, you know, Tashin uh, does these really uh, you know exp- expensive uh, runs of books that are limited. Uh, this one, the very first printing is going to be signed and numbered. It's going to be something that um, sort of as an heirloom purchase. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we're hopeful that that will sell out. Stan has signed um, a thousand, I think a thousand copies. I'm not sure. Anyway, all this information is going to come out at some point, but uh, I'm not precisely sure about the details. But uh, whoever buys it will get a a signed copy from Stan, um, and it'll be a a deluxe hardcover edition. And then there'll be a a later print edition down the line, uh, we hope. You know, obviously, the book has to sell. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll be something a little more affordable for the mass market at that point. For sure. Now, kind so. of coming off of, um, 
we had a, a listener question, and I thought this would be kind of a nice place to kind of slot it in. Uh, the person asked a few questions all in one, but I'll just kind of go through the, the post and then we can kind of dissect it because you've already answered some of it, which was, uh, if this is general knowledge, then please disregard. Well, I don't think it's necessarily general knowledge, but what do you do for a living? Uh, do you work for Marvel or do you freelance for them? Could you describe what you do for Marvel? And for Marvel's 75th anniversary, you got to interview Stan Lee. What was that like and did you meet in person? Ah. Uh, well, I, I am a freelancer for Marvel. I have been a freelancer um, since I think it was 2005. Um, and I've been doing all manner of projects. Um, I work uh, in special projects. So um, I, I, I have done some coffee table art books for Marvel. And I did Marvel Spotlight for a while while that was an ongoing thing. And uh, you know, some various other special projects. I do some weird arcane behind the scenes things that nobody will ever hear about or whatever. It's, but it's stuff that, uh, needs doing from a technical standpoint for Marvel. Um, and, uh, you know, that's basically what I do for Marvel. And, uh, I work for other publishers too. So I do editorial work and some writing and project management and stuff like that. Okay. So, and what was it like to uh, interview Stan Lee? Uh, well, I'll put it this way. Um, I first interviewed Stan for a special issue of Marvel Spotlight back in 2006. And I was, of course, extremely nervous. I was going to actually be in Los Angeles, and so I went to his office to uh, meet with him. And I, you know, I was really nervous, and I asked my editor at Marvel, Jeff Youngquist, I said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. I'm going to meet Stan Lee in his office. I, do you have any advice for what I should do? And, and he said, well, uh, don't worry about it. It's 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 going to be one of the best experiences of your life. He's like, Stan is going to be exactly the way you think he's going to be. And sure <laughs> enough, Stan was exactly the way I thought he was going to be. You know, when you're a kid reading uh, Marvel comics and you know, when I was a teenager, um, when I was 11, 12, 13, um, I was uh, I was dreaming not of being a superhero or being a, a, an artist or anything. I was dreaming of actually working in the Marvel bullpen. And it was, it was all about that spell that Stan was weaving in the Marvel, uh, you know, the bullpen bulletins pages. And, you know, his uh, personality was so magnetic to me. And, um, so that's sort of a dream fulfilled in a way I, I never have worked. I've been to the New York office, but I've never worked out of it. But, um, you know, what I've done has been, been sort of a part of that legacy. And I, I just thought it was great. So with all that, um, uh, I was going to meet Stan and, and it was just phenomenal. And I, you know, I was sitting across the desk from him and he was just such a joy and such a such a wonderful guy and you know we were going to talk for like 45 minutes and it turned into like an hour and a half two hours <laughs> and um he was just so hilarious so naturally funny he's just got such a knack for um uh you know a funny turn of phrase you know and uh just you know he's stan and uh and then I, of course uh interviewed him again for Marvel like 10 years later and then I've actually worked pretty closely with him in his office on this book so 
I've gotten to know him a lot more and, you know, to the point where I was there for basically a whole week doing some work on the book, working out of his office. I was doing some research on some things um, and talking to him and talking to his business partner and all this stuff. And so by the end of the week, Stan was actually, actually remembered my name. And so it was like, <laughs> it was pretty great. He was calling me by my name and, and that was, that pleased me greatly. And so every time I've met Stan, it's been a joy. Uh, and everybody you talk to behind the scenes, even people that have worked with him for the longest time are just, uh, you know, they love the guy. And so that's Stan for you. Is there a more energetic man given his age? Like, no, my God, no, no. Uh, he's he's everything I want to be when I'm his age. You know, I think he's, he's what gonna, everyone he's wants to be. be. Yeah, I think he's what everyone wants to be yeah. in their nineties. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be ninety-five this December. This this in just a few weeks. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So we we have some more listener questions for you. Okay. All right. So let's uh, we'll, we'll go through a few of them. This is from Razor Cat. He said, uh, "This is a bit off topic, but in a past interview, Gormu had talked about working with Marvel to sort and preserve material on file with their printers. It would be interesting interesting to hear more about those efforts and where, in particular, they have paid dividends." Oh well, um, Corey talked at length about that mm-hmm. um, in your last interview with him, and and. Um, um, yeah, that was a big, big, big project, and um, that's another thing that I take great pride in having been a part of, and I know that everybody on that crew that Corey put together feels the same way. Um, he had run off a little list of names of people. Um, you know, Corey had done some legwork before I came on board. Corey had a pretty good understanding of the objectives, which was basically to clean up Marvel's film and photostat archive and get in there, it was, it was a, just a disaster. It, it had moved all over the place in the last 20, 30, 40 years. And, you know, I mean, it's just natural that things would get disorganized and, you know, all the different regimes that Marvel has had and all the different uh, people, you know, working on that um, just took its toll. And so um, with the Masterworks program that was up and running and with Corey's just tenacity to, to make things as good as they can be and they you know made the decision to get to organize that and so Corey uh, initially had it was just him and me and we went to uh, we went to organize it and uh, we had set aside a whole month to do it and it, this was then where the film was held which was uh, which was in Illinois um, and we, we went in there and uh realized what a huge job it was <laughs> we we, we uh, initially we, we initially thought we could do it but as it got closer to our deadline we realized there was so much more to do we had to call in reinforcements so we called in uh, Wes Wong and Sheila Johnson who have done coloring for the Masterworks and they were local they lived in Illinois so they came to join us for the last week or so and we got a lot of that job done and um Basically, we were rifling through all, all of these flats that were full of film, which, are, which um, to give you a visual of what that is, comic book film is um, just like, a, I don't know uh, the dimensions of it, but it's, um, it's uh, I forget how it sizes compared to uh, an original page of comic book art, 
of course, the dimensions of comic book art has changed over the years. So, but anyway, it's it's pretty big. It's like about I don't know about two feet tall and a you know a foot wide. This film. Wow. And um, it's a it's a film negative, so you can't really there's no art necessarily to see. You kind of got to look through it. It's it's transparent, so you got to raise it up to the light, eyeball it, identify it, and and you know establish what it is. So, you know, between the four of us, uh, that first go around, we, we all had a pretty good idea of what we were looking at. Um, that was the key thing is being able to identify stuff and we would identify it and mark it. And, you know, Corey had an organizational thing that we were doing and we just, you know, did it and we didn't weren't able to finish it <laughs> so we came back like a year later to finish the job this time it was me Wes and Sheila and we brought in uh, Mike Kelleher and Chris uh, Leeser uh, and uh, that became a uh, even that wasn't enough <laughs> we were working so hard we had originally set aside 40 hour weeks and we were going to have the weekends off and it just didn't work out that way. We were doing like, you know, 50 hour weeks, 60 hour weeks. And it was just insane. Anyway, we finally got everything. They had to do a third trip. I couldn't be a part of the third trip. So they did a third uh, month long trip back to Missouri now is where I think uh, this stuff is. And so it's, it's fully organized. And so basically when, um, Marvel wants to do a, a collection. It's so easy now. They just say, we want these comic books, and somebody at this uh, inventory goes and pulls it out, and they do what they need to do to get the uh, you know the art over to Marvel so that they can work on it. You know, it's just very seamless now, very easy. And uh, the books are looking better and better and better. I think anybody that was around looking at the quality of the product uh, in 2004, 2005, you know, it was it was pretty good back then. Um, but now, I think uh, it's it's just light years better. I think, particularly with Masterworks, uh, uh, it's a just as good as it can get, and it's down to a great degree to what we were able to do to get that that archive sorted. So. No, I think we. I, I think I asked Corey this, but I ask you as well. What was one of your kind of your favorite finds that you got to kind of find during one of these, you know, these missions? You know, what was cool uh, was the really weird stuff. Where I remember one time, uh, Wes Wong. I don't know if I'm revealing something about Wes that he doesn't want the world to know, but Wes is a massive Masters of the Universe fan. Right? <laughs> so, so um, I stumbled upon the pile of flats that had Masters of the Universe. Of course, Marvel had done that for Star Comics in the 80s. So I'm organizing these Masters of the Universe, and that just does not move me at all. I'm a few years older than Wes, so I think that I just missed caring about Masters of the Universe. So, um, But I was going through it, and um, what was neat was I I think the original series for Star Comics ran 13 issues. I'm just pulling that out of my head. I found a... the missing 14th issue what and um so we found the original art and uh we're able to return it to uh you know the the you know people who uh who drew it so that was pretty great and west was of course flipping out and 
So there was stuff like that where just unpublished stuff that we would come across. And then um, there were um, some rare comic books that we stumbled across. Nothing like, you know, Marvel Comics number one or anything, but there were some rare comic books which were reference copies um, mm. that we come across. So it was pretty neat to hold that and, you know, hold in your hands and look through it. And, um, you know, but we made sure that everything was where it was supposed to be and, and, and organized correctly because we, we, you know, we knew we were dealing with comic book history here and we wanted to do right by that. And uh, so, um, so that, I guess that, that answers the question. Uh, I, I don't think you were expecting Masters of the Universe. For I was an not. No, you're right. And I guess, so, um, so, so none, of, none of these amazing uh, pieces ended up being uh, in your home collection? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, we were good boys and girls. We did not, uh, no. Well, let me ask a question. If you could have absconded with any piece, what would it have been? I remember. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Gosh. Probably, I mean, obviously, you know, there we there wasn't a lot, but we did come across some old Golden Age and stuff. I think there was one issue that just, you know, uh, was in there. And, I, you know, something like that just makes your eyes water and your mouth water. Um but uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. The okay. stuff doesn't really have value in the sense of like, oh, put that on eBay. I guess I guess there's some weirdos out there that would buy this stuff, but mm. the value is in precisely what it's for, which is just to, uh, you know, for highly highly trained uh, art restorationists to make a comic book out of, to make a collected edition out of, and it's not, you know. There was very little original art. Um, it was mostly photostats and uh, and film, and mm. uh, which is what we were looking for. True. So, um, so you know, um, uh, there were some cool color guides too. Um, the color guides were really neat to look at. Um, yeah, so for a you know for a uh, amateur comic book historian like me, it was just neat to be able to touch things like this that hadn't been touched in decades, and to know that at one time. You know, maybe you know Jim Shooter or Stan Lee or whoever was poring over these things and analyzing them so that they could get to the printer on time, and you know, and uh, making sure that you know it was just a neat, neat thing to be a part of. So, for sure. All right, and the next question from Razor Cat was um, the, he he said he would be curious to hear both yours and my thoughts on Marvel's recent extreme discounting on digital trades. He found it very frustrating to see recent trade paperback releases that were retailing for $20 on sale on Amazon Kindle for $1.99. Some of the TPVs had been out in stores literally one or two weeks, and he wants to know if this trend if this trend of sales continues, if she sh- if he should be changing his buying habits. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I uh, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage with answering this question, uh, you know, comprehensively because I am a physical object guy. I, you know, I'm a book collector. I'm mm. a book buyer. I want the actual books, and that's the part of the industry that I really focus on. Um, I have seen these uh, digital sales and. Honestly, when you see when you see prices like that on books that have just come out, I mean, I know that you know some of these books have been labored over, you know, and worked on really hard to make them look really great, and they're a premium product in their in their printed form. 
and they command you know a, a pretty big price you know mm-hmm. and then and then two weeks later there's a digital version that's like you know ninety eight percent off <laughs> it's just <laughs> it, you know it just it does boggle my mind I'm I, I I'm I guess I guess I, I detect a little bit of astonishment in the way he phrased his question and I'm right there with him it's astonishing to me it's not in my purview to know why those price points are established. Um, all I know is if you're into digital comics, you'd be kind of foolish not to take advantage of that. True. You know, I'm not, I'm not into digital comics. I like them as a curiosity. Um, and maybe one day I'll be more into them than I am now, but I will unflinchingly pay the going rate for these books, the masterworks and the omnibus and the trades that I want. I will have no problems at all. (laughs) And, uh, the books themselves have managed to maintain a great degree of collectability anyway. I mean, True. most of them, you know, so I, I don't know. There's, I, I, I'm just focusing on the books and I'm just fine with the books uh, and the price point of the books. But yeah, if I was into digital, I would be probably um, a, a, a much richer man than I am now. <laughs> so, I guess the question is too, like if, are you buying it for the content, or is it the content plus the presentation? Because if it's if you if you are just maybe a content guy, then digital might be better, just from a, a pure price standpoint. But as you said, if you're someone who kind of likes having the bookshelf and likes the you know the the uniform nature of having this collection uh, in yeah. this prestige format, then there's really unfortunately you are going to pay a premium and it sucks that you're paying so much more than someone who's just you know reading it on a tablet but yeah. you're you're paying for your preference and it sucks that it's such a huge disparity yeah and i mean but it's more than just having it on a bookshelf which i do like um but my collection is split up over a couple different homes and in storage <laughs> and i'm not you know I, so i don't really have a great collection presentation right now hmm. however I think just more of holding a book in yeah. my hand, opening the book, and reading, turning the pages. That 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 is still really super hip to me, and I just enjoy that. But on the other hand, you know, looking at the, from the digital perspective, I mean, you can guarantee that there's a section of the market that isn't interested in buying books and is probably sampling material uh, that they would never have thought of buying if it would have been a lot more expensive in book form. So. Um, you know, digital unquestionably serves a, a section of the market that wouldn't have been reached otherwise. True. And, I, I'm pretty sure I bought uh, Champions Masterwork uh, on digital because it was like a ridiculous sale, like a dollar or two. And like, right. I probably would not have ever picked that up in physical. <laughs> yeah, and I have I have a friend of mine in LA um, who has one of these digital readers. It's like a giant um, iPad, you mm-hmm. know. And he showed me um, some of the masterworks he's bought, and it was very impressive. I got to say, it was very impressive. And um, and with the new comic books that are being published, brand new stuff, they can do some really cool things with um, you know panel effects and stuff like that 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 are really neat. Um, so digital comics are cool. They serve a great purpose, and they're they're they've got the attention of a section of the market that's just really not interested in books anymore. But for us dinosaurs, you know, we're still into the books. So yeah, a dollar ninety nine sale on these books is kind of nuts. And I just don't, I don't get it either. And I don't, 
but I'm not supposed to get it. <laughs> so. No. Well, I, I think part of what he, his frustration is too, right, is the fact that it's something that just came out. Like if it's older material that's been out for like a year or two, okay, whatever. Yeah. Just like you can go to, a, you know, booksellers where they have, you know, extra copies of stuff where it's been the runoff and now they have it at a cheaper discounted price. But when it's something that came out literally within the month, it's a right. lot more disheartening when you paid full pop or even even at an online retailer, you're still playing a much higher premium than one of these digital sales. And I think that's where his frustration right. is more coming from, that it, it just came out. Like, why is this already happening? Right. Well, despite my position in, in this whole you know world, I, I really know next to nothing about who makes these decisions. Um, but I, I just have to hope that whoever whoever does make these decisions is, is seeing sort of an equilibrium and, and sales that uh, justifies, you know, the different price points coexisting in, in the same, you know, continuum. I, you know, it just, I, I just have to believe that that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, we keep getting masterworks every month. So, you know, uh, someone's buying them. Someone's buying them. I mean, it might, it might just be you and a few of the other people on the board, but that's right. That's enough right now. Uh, this so far, so good. This next question comes from Hickson23, which is uh, it's a question that I think you've been asked many times in the past. Uh, he just wanted to know, curious if we're any closer to the website updates long mentioned. I know he's been very, <laughs> I know he's been very busy. I wish I had the skills to help. Uh, the Stan Lee book, once that's done, I'll, I'll have some more time um, to focus on this. But I know that um, particularly this this message board forum thing has been hard on a lot of people. Uh, and, uh, you know, the mods we have that don't get enough thanks, but, um, they've been very helpful in trying to transition, especially Aussie Stu, who is a longtime board guy. He's come in when the rest of us are throwing our hands up <laughs> and he's managed to make some sense out of it. But I'm hoping that the very next thing I can do is to tackle this new system, uh, the Tapa Talk has to make these banners look good. Uh, the guy who makes the banners, Jess, um, has done some really great banners, and I've—I just don't know how to. It's so there's these, these new layers of complexity to what I'm dealing with. I haven't learned how to manipulate that whole system, and so uh, I want to do that. I want to get another survey going. Uh, I think people miss the survey, and I think we can expand it to some interesting areas outside of the masterworks to include like omnibus and epic collections and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, those things are on my mind, and I really want to do them. And uh, so, uh, but keep on me, you know. <laughs> I appreciate the, the prodding, for sure. Okay. Uh, Dave Tone wants to ask, uh, what were your favorite Marvel Masterworks, Omnibus, Epic, or other collected editions that came out from Marvel in the past year? That's a good question. Um, that came out in the last year. Let's see. Um, I haven't had a chance to read a lot of them, uh, but you know one that I did read um, was the She-Hulk <laughs> Masterworks, which was <laughs> one of the more baffling releases that people, She-Hulk, but uh, here, hey, we have She-Hulk, and uh, I hope we get a volume too. So I read She-Hulk, um, I read... Um, the, uh, I was going to read Spectacular Spider-Man, but I fell behind on my amazing reading to catch up to that, so I haven't read that. Hmm. I did read uh, – so basically the two masterworks that I did read were She-Hulk and The Uncanny X-Men. 
Okay. Uh, and uh, I read Uncanny X-Men like the second it hits my doorstep in the box from In Stock Trades, our Tales of Wonder, I, I open the box, unseal that X-Men Masterworks, and I just start reading it immediately. It doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. Uh, that's how much I love the X-Men Masterworks. So, um, but I have been reading, um, I cracked open my first Star Wars omnibus, uh, the classic stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I read that. Uh, well, I've read a lot of it. Uh, I was so, I hadn't read it since I was a kid. And I was really impressed with how uh, Roy Thomas and, and Howard Chaikin adapted the original movie. I, I thought it was just really great. And in comparison to the movie adaptations, up today, which are just, to me, in my opinion, they're not very well thought out, and they're not they're not done very well. Uh, Roy and, and Howard showed how it could be done. It was like watching the Star Wars movie. <laughs> you know, they I think they basically cribbed most of the dialogue, so uh, it was just basically the Star Wars dialogue, and uh, it was neat to experience those first two issues, especially which were published before the movie had even come out. So um, anyway, it's just great to relive that stuff by reading it in um, collection, collected edition form. Uh, I've been reading the Silver Age Titans uh, omnibus uh, from DC because um, I wanted to read my new Teen Titans when it comes out. And so I just wanted to read the old stuff that I'd never read before. And that's some really corny, kooky <laughs> stuff. That's all the, and, is, that, is, that all like, the, is that all the Haney stuff? Yeah, Haney, and um, there's some other stuff. I think Neil Adams wrote some. Poor Neil, boy. Early, that was some of the first stuff he'd ever written. It was pretty bad, but um, <laughs> uh, it made the Haney stuff look like you know Shakespeare in comparison. <laughs> uh, but it's pretty neat to see the, the series develop from its early years through like the early 70s is where I'm at now. Um, and the Hawk and Dove is in there, the Steve Ditko, John Hawk and Dove. It's pretty neat um, to acquaint myself with a lot of that stuff. That I, I had read the Hawk and Dove a long time ago, but none of the other stuff. Um, I also started to read uh, the Star Wars Legends epic collections from the Dark Horse stuff. I was not expecting to like that as much as I have. I, the, particularly, I started with the Old Republic um, trades. And those comics are really entertaining. I like them a lot. And I started to read the Star Wars stuff that Marvel's doing now, mm. which is just incredible. Just love it so much. Um, it's like watching the damn movies. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> I just think it's great. Um, the stuff that Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen and you know their artists, John Cassidy, and uh, uh, I think uh, Mike Diodato has, has drawn some. Anyway. Really great stuff. Can't say enough about it. So those are the comics I've been reading. Um, so I hope that answers the question. <laughs> it does. Well, I, I, have a, I have a follow-up to it, I guess. Um, for this past year, um, from omnibus releases, were, any, were there any omnibuses that were released in the past year that you were kind of surprised that they got put in the omnibus so quickly or that they even showed up at all? <laughs> Not not, well, not, always, not in a derogatory way, but just there's sometimes there's some yeah. where I'm like, oh wow, that that's actually a thing. Sure, sure. Um, oh, I forgot to mention too that I also read the Alpha Flight omnibus. Nice. Um, so uh, that was another one that I read uh, and really enjoyed um, quite a bit. Um, yeah, uh, 
there's always omnibus that takes you by surprise. I mean, David Gabriel's good at throwing some curveballs at, at people, which always keeps things interesting. Um, you know, I guess Muppet Babies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, I hope that there's little kids out there that really want to read a book that weighs like five times more than they do. Um, uh, I guess it was kind of cool to see like the Star Wars Marvel UK uh, volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I didn't really even knew existed, but apparently it's a thing. And uh, so I'm going to enjoy uh, looking at that. Um, I was really psyched that Corey got to do that Punisher volume, The Batch yes. of War. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd heard rumblings for a while about, you know, that being on the table. But when it finally, when Corey told me about it, I was like, yes, you know, I was pumping my fist. Um, that was one of the things that's kind of problematic. It's like, do we do this in Masterworks? And if we do, it's just going to be kind of weird. And, you know, so I think they made the right choice to do it as an omnibus. You get this first omnibus volume that's just full of everything through the miniseries, you know, the, the, the Zach, uh, miniseries. So, um, yeah, real psyched about that. Um, I guess I, I kind of dig the, uh, Bendis, Brian Bendis crime books that he did, um, all, you know, in one omnibus. Um, I, I like that concept. I haven't gotten that one yet, but, um, Tangled Web was a neat choice, um, for an omnibus. Um, I liked most of that series back when I was reading it in the early 2000s. There's some great stories in there. There's some really great stories. There's some not-so-great ones, too, but, um, you know, that's an anthology for you. Um, a lot of different artists, a lot of different takes on things. Yeah, uh, Flower for Rhino a, is in there. Oh, and you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That story is just a classic. Plus, just so um, what is it called? Severance Package by Rucka as well? Yep, that's another good one. The uh, Darwin Cook uh, Christmas uh, story, yeah, uh, really great. Um, I'm sure there's some other stuff that we're forgetting, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one that I'll be happy to have on myself. Um, and uh, seeing Master Kung Fu finished was was phenomenal. Never expected, never expected that, <laughs> and didn't expect Deadly Hands of Kung Fu to come out alongside of it, and to see that finished. Um, is a real triumph um, for us uh, comic book nerds. So I think that uh, I think that qualifies as an answer to that question. It absolutely does. <laughs> uh, so the next question is actually by Dave Tone again. Um, it's and it actually dovetails into something I want to talk about anyway. But um, what announced book that, that has yet to be released are you the most excited for? book that has yet to be released as opposed to unannounced book okay <laughs> well you might um, know you might know unannounced books to be fair that's true that is true um the uh are we talking masterworks um uh, he didn't really specify so it could be masterworks could be omnibus epics anything all right um i guess i'm excited for the defenders masterworks that's coming out it's going to have a lot of great stories uh from you know the post Gerber era, um, which are a lot of fun. Keith Giffen comes on and he does his Kirby impersonation, and he got Moon Knight in there and Luke Cage and actually Jack Kirby drew, I think four or five of those covers. 
Avengers. Um, anyway, that's for me as a comic book nerd fan. Uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to that uh, will come out uh, next uh, next year. Um, fan, uh, the Fantastic Four Masterworks uh, that's coming out in uh, just a few weeks or a week, actually. Looking forward to that one. That's all been well, not all of it, but a lot of it has never been reprinted. And so looking forward to that. Um, I am looking forward to the uh, Nightmask New Universe trade paperback. <laughs> uh, I was very psyched when I saw that. I thought they were only going to do Starbrand, um, but they're doing Nightmask too. And so I'm psyched it's going to be a done-in-one. I actually helped uh, research that volume, so I sort of helped develop the contents for that book. And um, so I'm excited to see that. And I hope it's not the last. I hope that uh, there's support for these new universe books. It would be nice to see more of them. Um, and uh, so that hasn't come out yet. But I think that was just recently mentioned in the Hatchet catalog. So, um, well, let's actually let's, remember. let's talk about that Hatchet catalog, though, because that's, I mean, that's what everyone's talking about right now on the forums about. I mean, now we have the actual PDF and we can actually kind of go through it all. Um, I mean, I, I found I always find it interesting when that comes up because obviously there's always surprises. Um, what kind of surprises that did you kind of see in it that you're like, really? That's that's a, that, again, that's a thing. Well, um, I guess going back to the question someone asked earlier about what do I do, one of the things I do is I do research uh, some of these books. Not I, I only do a few, but for me, it's fun um, more than it is um, anything else. So I, I've heard of, I've heard a few of these books, you know, talked about before. Um, but really, until the solicits come out, they're not real to me. Um, uh, you know, sometimes books just get withdrawn, and even the Hat Check catalog is wrong in significant ways from time to time. Um, so until the actual solicits come out by Marvel um, every month, um, you got to take stuff with a grain of salt. Uh, but um, I haven't seen the PDF yet. But uh, surprises? Uh, I guess Spider Girl is kind of cool. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people um, lining up for that one. If you know, she's got a real uh, hardcore fan base. I hope they're still around. <laughs> I'll definitely be picking that up the first chance I get. Yeah, I will too. You know, I've actually never read those original stories, so I think I would enjoy um, very, just checking it. They're very charming. Yeah, um, I think that Craven's Last Hunt book will be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that deluxe edition—that's the first time deluxe edition has been applied to a Marvel book. So I am going to try to find out what that means. Um, it's probably just a brand, just like any brand, but maybe it has some particular formatting things that are unique to to that. Because I guess, yeah, usually they do, like, anniversary editions, but not necessarily deluxe editions. Like, I think Dark Phoenix years ago, didn't they do, like, an anniversary edition of that? Uh, You mean an oversized hardcover version? Yeah. They did, yeah. It was called Dark Phoenix, I think. Dark Phoenix Saga. And it sold out really quickly. And uh, so now they're going to do another Dark Phoenix book. Mm -hmm. It's it's got expanded contents. Yeah. it's actually it's interesting looking through a lot of the listings that are in the new Hachette is that um, you know for all the you know the hullabaloo and that people talk about you know that that Marvel doesn't reprint enough you know X-Men stuff there's t- 
tons of stuff that's coming out that's cable related, that's Deadpool related, that's right. that's you know obviously Phoenix related because of the upcoming movie. Like, I don't right. think that can be an argument, at least not for the collected editions. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, um, you look at the solicits month to month, and sometimes there are two, three months go by, and you're not, you know, there's no X Men, but then a movie comes along, and there's an explosion of titles. So um, I think quantity-wise, people are being well taken care of with X-Men. And um, so uh, I wish we had more X-Men Masterworks, but <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to complain about that. Um, but uh, I, I, uh, I guess the, nothing really jumps out as a surprise in the Hatchet. Um, I guess they're reaching to reprint some really oddball stuff like Brute Force. I don't think anybody foresaw that, but you know, I've come to expect the unexpected now. So uh, when I see stuff like that, it uh, it makes sense to me in some weird way. So um, a nitpicky part of my brain is irritated by uh, the Superior Spider-Man Complete Collection, only because as someone who um, like I've, I've always bought the singles, and then I think it was right around Superior when it first started. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy it in trade as well. I'm going to double dip because I just like having it on my shelf. And then when they released um, Brand New Day and Big Time in complete collections, that was great. And then the last Big Time collection only goes up to Amazing Spider-Man 697. And I'm like, okay, you guys are obviously eventually going to do a Superior Spider-Man collection, but now I'm just going to have this weird three-issue gap between that and my regular trades. And then... They released this this new one, which will include those three issues. And I'm like, I don't want to have to buy it again. But right. because I'm a completist, I either have to go find the Amazing Spider-Man Dying Wish trade paperback with those three issues and have this right. we- weirdly in the middle, or you know, just replace my Superior Spider-Man existing trades with the complete collection. But that's you know, right. that's the price you pay as a as a collection person who has, likes it a certain way. That is the price you pay, and we pay it over and over and over. <laughs> so I'm hoping that there's going to be a, a brand new day uh, omnibus at some point. I can um, see that. Just seems logical to me. Um, you know, we were talking about that uh, omnibus for uh, Tangled Web, and I think uh, there's been a lot of Spider-Man omnibuses, and now that one is the most recent material that's been published in omnibus format and we're you know that's 2004 2003 huh. you know uh but there hasn't been anything more recent than that i mean i guess if you count superior foes of spider-man um but the only omnibus we've had for spidey has been classic stuff and i would like to see um really the brand new day forward i, I just think it'd be ideal for, for the omnibus format yeah, I think that would work. I mean, as someone who's now bought all the complete collections, I don't want that, but... Yeah. <laughs> don't make me buy it again, John. Come on. I haven't bought those. I'm, I'm still waiting for the hardcovers. Okay. So. Um, I'm the old Premier. I have all almost all the Premier hardcovers, but I would upgrade in a second for yeah. Omnibus. Um, one, one thing I'm very happy to see was the um, Weapon X, the Return Omnibus, with including the entire Frank Thierry series. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really familiar with the content of that story. I wasn't really reading Wolverine at that time, and so I'll be interested in getting that as well, sure. I mean, it, it first dovetails off of a Wolverine storyline that he did, which is probably one of my favorites um, that I've always enjoyed with him and Sean Chen, and then it spun off into its own ongoing, which was its complete own beast and uh, had some 
phenomenal stories and great storytelling. So I'm excited that it's actually going to be released all in one giant om- omnibus, and that I'm like, sign me up. The minute I saw oh. that, all right. Like it doesn't always happen. Sometimes I look at the omnibuses and I'm like, well, that's not quite for me. But that one I was. Um, one thing I'm intrigued by is that they're going back to press on all these old Runaways trades, but they're so tiny. They're like they're all like three to four issues, and like obviously there's you know with with the TV series they want to get this this material back out, but it just is so interesting to me that they're doing it in these kind of weird bite sized chunks. Whereas in this Hachette catalog, we're also getting you know the omnibus of the original uh, creative run. So it's yeah, kind of an I'm interesting... excited about that. I got the first you know they they did that back in the day in an mm-hmm. oversized hardcover, and I got the first two volumes, and I fell asleep on the third one, and it sold out, and it got ridiculous for a while. So I could never pull the trigger on getting a, an affordable copy of that one. Oh. I, I hadn't even checked to see if the prices had come down, but I'm I'm totally cool with getting an omnibus, you know. So that'll be that'll be one I'm definitely getting. I'm considering, and I mean, I, I that one I actually do have the original three volumes. So I did not fall asleep on the third one. No, you did not. <laughs> You're a better man than that. Well, this one time. Um, uh, in terms of a collection of kind of weird odds and sods, which makes sense because of a movie coming out, we have the X-Men Domino trade paperback, which is, yeah. that's a smorgasbord if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, the contents for that. Is that in the PDF? It is. Yeah, okay. It's on, I yeah. think, on one of the most recent pages of the, on uh, on the boards that someone put up a link to it. And, uh, yeah, it's got, like, Domino from 1997, which I barely remember, but I do remember reading it. Uh, Domino from 2003. It's got the X-Force Sex and Violence uh, miniseries. And then material from a few, with an annual and uh, an A-plus X issue and an Uncanny X-Men annual. So it's kind of a grab bag. Yeah, I, um, I'm a little disappointed in the movie version of Domino. I, I just, to me, Domino is one of the coolest-looking characters there is, and you're just not going to see that in the movie. And uh, I don't know why. It just, I don't know. You got me. But uh, um, we'll never, you know, we won't see the domino from the comics, which is a real downer. Um, but uh, I, I hadn't heard about that trade. I, I might put it on my list. We'll see. So. I'd certainly like her character. She's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Uh, another surprise I found more in the selection of content that the fact that it was happening was the Carnage Omnibus. Because that, yeah. that's an interesting book just because, it, again, it's kind of a weird grab bag of different Carnage miniseries and series over the last, like, seven years. But I thought that they would just kind of collect the recent Jerry Conway Perkins run because that was a great story that would do a, a great kind of done-in-one oversized hardcover. Instead, we got an omnibus, but it has such weird, you know, things that don't really connect, but except right. for it's ostensibly following the character through various different stories, but at times the continuity between them is murky at best. Yeah, I guess they just wanted a comprehensive omnibus of Carnage stories, you know, so that's what we're getting. Um, <laughs> I read, I actually read the um, the two miniseries that were drawn by Clayton Crane. I love his work. I think it's great. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting that uh, I have one of them in this smaller, oversized, but I didn't get the other one. So now, you know, I'll have them in this omnibus. I also read the recent series by Jerry Conway, which I thought was really good. 
uh, Mike Perkins drew it. Um, you know, Mike Perkins, uh, you know, when he does superhero, standard superhero stuff, I don't think it's that great. Although he did a good job on Captain America, but that was, you know, balancing Steve Epting. But mm. uh, his work on Stand was really phenomenal, I thought. And uh, his work on Carnage, which is really dark and spooky. And, you know, they played it quite a bit like a horror comic, um, which is, you know, fitting, um, was really good. And so I, I, I thought that was a kind of a cool series. I enjoyed it. Um, so I'm looking forward to having all three of those series plus a bunch of weird stuff that I've never read before um, in one book. That is the advantage of these grab bags is that you do end up with stuff that even if you're a, a pretty diverse reader, you end up with stuff you've never read before. Right. I, I like that. Uh, something I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm personally excited about is because of this deluge of cable books is um, we're getting Cable Revolution, which is issue 79 of 96 of that book, which is the Robert Weinberg run, which has never been really reprinted anywhere. Is that the stuff that Ladron drew? No, it's after Ladron. Ladron left around issue 70 or so, um, yeah. around the time when Casey left. And then you had a bunch of issues which tied into, I think, the 12 and Ages of Apocalypse, which I don't think of, they're kind of being orphaned a little. They, they, there's nothing really reprinting them. And then right around the time of Revolution, when Claremont came on to Uncanny X-Men again, uh, Cable kind of went in its own new direction, and that's what this kind of co- collects. And it's a pretty beefy collection. It's 18 issues. Um, and it's it's an entire run by one writer, and uh, it's got artwork by Michael Ryan, Asad Ribic, and Tom Derenick. Awesome. So well, that's some early stuff by Asad. Yeah, pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, you know a lot more about that era than I do. I wasn't reading comics so much then, but I did. Uh, my friend uh, Dum Dum Dugan mm-hmm. got me back into comics. Um, one of the things he told me was, you know, there's a lot of crap in the 90s, but LeDron drawing Cable was not one of, one of those crappy things. It's like, you should check that out. You'll like it. And so uh, I did. I, I just wasn't able to piece together the whole run and back issues. So I've been waiting for a, a collection to get that stuff together. So, so. The, those have, I think come out. I know one of them has already. And then one of the, one of them is coming out in January, collecting all of Ladron's work. All um, right. And that's, yeah, that's, it's interesting. Cause I, when I talked to Joe Casey about it, I was like, at the time when I was reading that, like I, I was much younger. I hadn't been able to go back and read a lot of classic stuff. So I, I don't know if I had the appreciation for the artwork that I do now, but it was very much like of a very Kirby-esque style. Oh yeah. Like, uh, like, and I, at the time it, it was so different because no one was doing that. Right. It had just such yeah. a interesting look. In the nineties that was, that kind of sustained homage was, uh, was unusual to say the least. Mm-hmm. So, Another collection that I don't know who asked for it, but I'm I'm curious is that the Dakota North trade paperback. Yeah, like I like that's that is a, an interesting grab bag because again it's got like her own series. It's got you know well, it's and, not really a grab bag. Uh, I actually researched that one. Oh, did you? Yeah, I had I, I have all all of those comics, well, most of them in my collection. Uh, I have the you know the Dakota North series, you know, from back in the day. Uh, but no, it's basically all her appearances uh, from her comic book, and then she appeared in just a few other comics. I mean, there's not that many. No, I guess not. Uh, and so you're going to get them all. But who asked for it? Like I, not, I know. Like hey. I'm, I'm just curious. Hey. 
who asked for brute force, you know? Uh, that, well, that's a fair point, true. These, these are books that we're getting, man. So, you know, if you want to buy them, they're there for you. I guess, okay, I take back the word grab bag, but I guess tonally it seems like such an odd book because her original appearances and then reading her in Daredevil by uh, Brubaker, or no, yeah, I think it's Brubaker. Yeah. Um, just feels like that would be an interesting shift to go from something very 80s to something completely different from like the two decades later. Yeah, that one arc was pretty heavily invested in her character, and I think that was the one arc in contemporary books that really flushed her out a lot. Um, so I think uh, I think they wanted to include at least one thing from you know sort of contemporary comics to sort of balance. Um, this is how she was then and here's how she is now and uh and basically with those other i think there's the four is it five issues series or is it four i think it's five yeah so there's the five issues and then there's the um, three or four major guest appearances that she made in other comics um in the intervening years and then there's whatever that they came up with for their the daredevil so um you know so maybe I have some. To, maybe sorry. someone will. Maybe that's someone's favorite comic book, and they're like, you know, screaming right now. Enjoy. <laughs> Tears. Well, I gotta ask. So, if you did research on the book, like, like, were you kind of? Did they, did they kind of say, "Well, you're doing research on this one," and you went, "What?" <laughs> like, no, what? I actually, I, I, I selected that one because I knew it would be weird, <laughs> and uh, I had the comics. You know, I was I had the comics to, to refer to, so um, you know, it, uh, it just seemed like something to do. So <laughs> I, my name is in that book. I take that one very personally. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I will leave I to, Dakota North alone. Although I did love that those issues that she was in in Daredevil, but it's the only reason I even knew the character when I saw the name on the list. That's right. Yeah, those those '80s comics are definitely dated, particularly the fashion. Um, it's uh, it's uh, but it's still a you know it's still an interesting read for anybody who's um, who's got you know the time to invest in five issues of a of a very obscure character. So, does it hold up? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's entertaining. Sure, yeah, it's it's. It's kind of like you know one of those mid mid to late eighties uh, Jim Shooter type comics. You know, if you like that kind of clean, precise uh, shooter style storytelling, uh, that's for you. You know, and um, it uh, so it, it's a it's you know Marvel's attempt in the mid eighties to do a different type of character at sort of a street level female hard-boiled detective type uh she's not all that hard-boiled but you know she's pretty gritty in her own way and um you know they they've made fashion a focus of it so you get kind of a sense of what fashion (laughs) was like then uh (laughs) at least as far as those particular creators of that marvel comic thought um so it's a little time capsule and you know people that are into that are into it People that, that aren't won't be so. And, you, and you'll have it on your shelf. We talked that I, I think anybody listening to this podcast ever planned for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why people tune in. <laughs> 
Um, another thing that kind of st- uh, struck me, just because it seems so so after the fact, is the uh, Secret Avengers by Ed Brubaker complete collection. Not because yeah, it's that's... a not because it's a bad book, but just because it, it feels so divorced from that time period. Well, that seems like ancient history to me now. You know, the, it, the, it was only like six or seven years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, there's been so much change since then. Um, some for the better, some for the worse. You know, but I liked that Secret Avengers run. I thought it was really cool. Um, I especially loved the Warren Ellis uh, issues. Um, they came after Brubaker. Um, and then Remender did some interesting things, too, with his run. So, Yeah, it was, it was an interesting book. Again, it's, 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 it's hard to believe it's only been seven years. Yeah. Wow. Where was I seven years ago? I guess I was reading Secret Avengers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we finally got the, uh, I guess people have been waiting for the Avengers by Hickman on this volume, too. Yep. So we finally get that. We're psyched about that. Well, now we can go back and get all the Bendis stuff back in Omnibus. Yeah, shake, it's, it's interesting. I'm to shake my fist at the angry sky gods for denying me this book. Uh, I want those Bendis uh, books in Omnibus. We have one of them. Now we need the rest. Yeah, why, is, why, why did we only get one? Because now they're putting everything out in the complete collections instead. I don't know. I think... I think uh, we got one. I don't know. Maybe it didn't sell well, but I find that hard to believe. Um, I know it sold out at some point, but, um, you know, I mean, there's answers to these questions that um, I can't even fathom because I'm not in the middle of all these sales numbers and what, whatever, but there's certainly no shortage of Avengers books you, you could put out, and so maybe it just, just got left behind, you know? Mm-hmm. These things happen. And then by the time it was like, it was like way past <laughs> where it's like, we're going back a little too far now. We'd rather focus on these other more current Avengers books. I don't know. I don't know. But um, there would be one more needed just for the rest of his new Avengers run, that first run. And then I think he would have one each for his Avengers run and the other new Avengers. Uh, so I think you'd want three more of his run. Mm-hmm. And it's, Super important stuff for Marvel Universe events, you know. So I, you'd think they'd want to anthologize that in the premium format. So maybe they will. But we'll I guess see. we are getting the the uh, Secret Invasion omnibus, though. Yeah. So I mean, like we are getting more uh, of his stuff. It's just maybe not quite the way we would have expected. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that book. I'm a little disappointed. One of the projects I worked on was the Secret Invasion Saga. Oh, yeah. uh, I wrote that one, and I'm very proud of that one. Um, and that came out actually before Secret Invasion, naturally. And uh, I remember Bendis speaking very highly of it. Um, and uh, he thought it was a really good piece of work. And um, and unfortunately, it won't be in there. <laughs> I'm still crying about that. But um, there's that that is still going to be a good book because it's going to – have all the stuff Bendis did for Secret Invasion. And I think he really, that that miniseries really holds up. I thought it was very entertaining. And I think the the other material in New Avengers and Mighty Avengers is really good. Some really good stories in there. That uh, uh, Scroll, scroll uh, Queen story. Mm-hmm. That's just so great. <laughs> really great. I think that was in uh, 
New Avengers, uh, one of the issues of New Avengers. So um, looking forward to having that with the, the main series in one book. Although there is another Secret Invasion book coming out, isn't there? Isn't there like a lead up to Secret Invasion, including all the the stuff yeah, that's scrolls? Yeah, so that your stuff didn't make it in there. I don't know. I didn't have anything to do with that book, so I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that would have been not a bad place to put the saga book. <laughs> I just think they need to do a special edition of the saga by itself. One of these giant, massive books, just the Secret Invasion saga. Put a hundred dollar price tag on it. That's what I think they need to do. I mean, I mean, they've done it. They've done it with other events, right? Like, there's there is precedence for this kind of stuff, right? You know, like Marvels by uh, you know Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, uh, Secret Invasion Saga by me. <laughs> I buy it. That yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The Evergreens, the <laughs> stuff people are going to be reading a hundred years from now. So. Well, that's too funny. <laughs> um... Oh, I know I lost my train of thought. Um, Got to find it. Um, it was about the complete collections. There's a lot of new complete collection lines that I'm actually surprised at, but again, makes sense with upcoming movies. Like we're getting uh, a new mutants complete collection by um, right. Oh, now I forget. I think it's isn't it DNA or yeah DNA. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, there's a lot I of like that stuff. Yeah, you know, I like their run. I have a, you know, probably New Mutants was my favorite comic book in the early 80s when I was, you know, Alpha Flight and New Mutants um, were my favorite comics that were new and I took full ownership of from mm. their inception. You know, I, of course, loved X-Men and I loved Spider-Man. I loved Fantastic Four, but those had a legacy that extended way beyond my first experience with them. But New Mutants, I feel ownership over. Mm-hmm. And so nothing has ever been quite as good as that first run. But I think the DNA run was pretty, pretty good. Uh, certain, the Zeb Wells run, too, oh, yeah. uh, was entertaining. Both those runs were good. I think, actually, I like the Zeb Wells a little better than the DNA. And I think the Wells is, is getting its own collection, too. Uh, there was another one that I, don't, I just don't remember liking all that much, but it was the... Uh, 12-issue run that's being compiled, um, the 2003-2004 series. Oh, yeah. I forget the... Um, Is that like the new X-Men Academy X stuff? or before It came before that. Oh, before that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's finally being collected. The first six issues were put out in a trade, but the, the, the second arc has never been reprinted before uh, that I'm aware of. And so this collection will be reprinting some of those books for the first time. So, uh, you know, for that alone, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, it's back to school. New Mutants back to school. Okay. Yeah. I do have a soft spot for when stuff finally comes back. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about champions before. So we have the champions classic complete collection as well, which has all their appearances. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually kind of a pretty big book. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a lot champions of champions. Masterworks was massive. It was like, over 400 pages, I think. That's a, that's a lot um, so, of champions. Yeah. Yeah, I think with these complete collections, Marvel's just sort of found their niche. I mean, this is a very elastic brand. Uh, I think it's just, it'll, it encompasses basically uh, so many different ways of collecting different material. And 
you know, I think Marvel enjoys putting these out. They get to sometimes stick creator names on them, which is valuable. Um, you know, like that Electra series that, that, um, you know, so you get a lecture by Peter Milligan, Larry Hama, and Mike Diodato Jr. Complete mm-hmm. collection. You know, so you get the complete collection in there, which signals that you're getting an entire run of comics and one one in one book. And then you get to pick among these really, you know, any of these artists or whatever that you like. Diodato's name certainly is attractive. Um, so there's just the mark for marketing purposes. Com- these complete collection books are pretty great and they're pretty flexible. I mean, you can, some of these books are 12 issues. Some of them are 20, you know, some of them are maybe even a little bit shorter, but as long as they collect a discrete run of books by either a title or a a creator, uh, run, um, these are, these are books and price points for books that I think Marvel finds very attractive. I, I don't expect to see fewer, uh, of these kinds of books in the future. I think we'll continue to see quite a few of them. Absolutely. One that, um, I, the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, this one's for my brother-in-law because he loves this run, is uh, the Nova by Abnett and Landing Complete Collection. But the only thing that struck me as, as odd, but, but it makes sense, is that you have Annihilation Nova, and then you have to you have to skip over Annihilation because it's not written by them, but it has Nova in a very prominent part, and then you pick up with the regular book, right? right. But like just from a, it, it's it's complete because it's their run, but in terms of what that character's been right. doing, you just miss something big. Well, I'm assuming that uh, Jeff York and his his breed of people are pretty good at doing uh, you know recap pages. Uh, for important moments like that, so I'm, I'm 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 guessing that will be taken care of in that way. You know, you might get a page or two of of text, maybe even with some some pictures from the comics. You know, stringing together the narrative that isn't included in the book. Um, so that I, I I don't know if they're doing it with that, um, but maybe they will. So did you do, did you do an, an annihilation saga book at some point? Uh, I did not do Annihilation Saga. No, I did, um, which saga books did I do? Um, well, I did Secret Invasion. <clears throat> I did, uh, Spider-Woman. A lot, I was really, Jess Harold and I collaborated on Spider-Woman. That was fun. Um, that was included in, in the motion comic that they did too, which is pretty neat. Um, did Moon Knight. I did Moon Knight. Uh, that was that was a nightmare because I was actually doing that while I was working on on the film archive project. So um, <laughs> I was doing twelve hour days and the, doing film sorting, and then I had to do this saga project at night. So um, I didn't get to enjoy the you know St. Louis. We were in St. Louis at the time. I, didn't, I really didn't get to enjoy much of that experience, but. Um, uh, so I did Moon Knight. That was pretty fun. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other ones. I've done some other ones. Franklin Richards. I did a Franklin Richards saga. What? <laughs> I don't think I remember that. Yeah, that's one that from deep within the recesses of my mind. Well, like that one wasn't given its own book. It was like supplemental matter for a Fantastic Four book or something. I don't know. Um, but it was published somewhere. Wow, I don't. You're making think... me think of things I haven't thought of, and like 
a zillion years. <laughs> so. Well, which of the saga books was kind of your favorite? Well, Secret Invasion. Yeah. Wow. That was classic. That's the one everybody is still talking about. <laughs> well, that was your best work. I didn't say that's your favorite, though. <laughs> uh, that's the best and my favorite, absolutely. Um, I don't know. You know, the um, that Spider-Woman, I really enjoyed doing that. It was a short one. I think it was only like uh, eight pages. Um, Is that why you enjoyed it? <laughs> no, well, well, we only had eight pages, but um, uh, we uh, Jess, Jess and I worked. That was one of the first things Jess and I did to th- together, I think, and I really enjoyed working with him. And so um, so that one, I think I did a Chaos. Remember Chaos War? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chaos War. I did a saga for that. That was fun. I was into I was into the Incredible Hercules at that time, really into that series. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a fun one to do. Um, yeah, so the, the, those I'll say Chaos War and Secret Invasion were my favorites. Okay, I, I missed them as a concept. Like uh, they were... Spider Spider Woman. I, I got to say Spider Woman. <laughs> they they, they were nice content to read. Yeah, when they were done when they were done well, sure. Um, just like anything, I mean, you know, it can be done poorly. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure some of the ones I did weren't, you know, maybe the greatest. But um, uh, when, like, again, the, the, I busted my ass on that secret invasion. I, I tracked down every appearance from every scroll ever, and I made an effort to fit them into the continuity of that thing without making it a labor-intensive. Uh, you know, clunky reading experience. And I hope I did that. Um, and, uh, it seemed pretty seamless to me. And I, I just remember, I really do remember Bendis unsolicited. Bendis, uh, really was effusive in his praise of that book. And so I was very flattered by that. And, um, I remember it was a very bad time of my life when I was doing that too. I was having some really bad personal life stuff going on at that very moment. <laughs> and I, and, uh, and so I wrote it under extreme duress. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So anybody that reads that know that that's probably the favorite, my favorite one of those that I've done. So Very nice. On, on the list of things that I'm surprised took as long to get out is the, um, uh, the complete collection of the Marvel Knights series. Um, called, I guess, given the appropriate tagline now, Defenders of the Streets, just because I thought it would have already come out by now. Yeah, well, I'll give you a little bit of insight into the process, but I, uh, you know, I I'm not fully on board with uh, collection scheduling, but I, I am privy to some some stuff. I I am asked my opinion from time to time, not all the time, but from time to time uh, on things. Uh, and I know that every year uh, that book has been forwarded as an idea, uh, and it just has never come out. <laughs> it's like become the joke. It's like. All right, we'll put the Marvel Knights series up again, you know, and it, and so finally it's coming out, and it's not because you know it's just the things have to line up; they sure. just have to line up right, and it's it's finally the perfect it's perfect timing for that book to come out. It really is. <laughs> um, if it had come out ten years ago, it would just it, it would have been a book that a lot of people, you know, a, a little niche of people had been waiting a long time for, and justifiably so. But now you can put the book out, and it just lines up almost perfectly with other things 
that are going on at Marvel, and it'll be a, a book that more people will want. And I think for Marvel and the, the people that put these books on the schedule, I don't think they get enough credit uh, for serving that side of you know the, the the customer marketplace. I think I think the people that come to my forum and even me, you know, we we want what we want, <laughs> and we. We have a very uh, high degree of knowledge uh, and intellect about these things. And so things, we want what we want when we want them. And, and we don't see a lot of reasons why we shouldn't have them. Um, but it does, it does us well to balance it, uh, our respect for what Marvel and DC and companies like that are doing to try to serve a lot of different masters when they come up with these schedules. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yes, we are finally getting... The uh, Defenders of the Streets uh, <laughs> book. Isn't that a great? That's a great subtitle. No, it right? works. It absolutely it works. It totally works. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's Netflix driven right there, buddy. <laughs> so. I'm wondering what the pitching meeting was like. Okay, we got to find the perfect tagline that lines up with Defenders. How do we right. do this? <laughs> right. That's funny. Um, another one that caught my eye just because it's it's big is the uh, Venomnibus. Which is yeah. a great name for it. Yeah, um, I think I, eventually there's going to be an omnibus name that that's a pun that is just so awful that uh, an omnibus works. You know, it just kind of works. It's ridiculous. It's over the top, just like Venom is mm-hmm. as a character, and uh, it's it, it just works. And so I am going to have that book on my shelf, uh, and I, I think many people listening will as well. So. Did you do research on that one as well? I did not. No. Was that poor Jeff? I, that, no, that was. I don't know who did that, but that's from an era of comics that I don't have a lot of. I'm not. I'm not a '90s guy. Um, I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff from the '90s I like, but I wasn't really there, and so it's not my expertise. Um, so I, I don't know who did the research on that one, but uh, they had their work cut out for them. <laughs> yeah, well, looking at like how many different books are in there, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to be able to own. Right, right. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of yeah. Again, these interesting kind of collections of because for Venom was a character who didn't have an ongoing, but kind of did. Like he just yeah. had an he just had a series of miniseries that were essentially you know exactly that. Oh yeah, yeah, I, and I haven't read all those stories either, but. It, um I, I can't imagine that the editorial staff um, didn't care what was going on with Venom and other comics. They were keeping a watchful eye on that character development. And, you know, I'm sure there's laziness and, and bad editing in any era, but I'm, I'm hopeful that there's a, when I finally sit down to read that book, that there's a nice narrative that makes sense for um, for that character. Cause I haven't read most of that stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I actually like these symbiote characters. I think it's pretty novel. I think um, Venom and Carnage are pretty cool characters. And so um, I'm looking forward to reading the Venomnibus and also the, the, the early Carnage stories as well. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, before we kind of sign off for the evening, what other kind of things kind of jump to your mind or that you've kind of noticed uh, that, again, kind of make you excited? in the coming year, especially Marvel Masterworks-wise? Well, um, actually, Corey was talking to me tonight. We were trading emails on some things he wanted some input on, and 
you know, stuff like that is just really fun for me. It's just, it takes me back to when I first started, uh, the website and, uh, you know, before Corey was there, you know, Bob Greenberger was there and Bob and I would talk about masterworks and he, you know, he would solicit my opinions on things and just, I remember one night he had mentioned, uh, in an email had mentioned, uh, some book ideas that they were mulling over and that was very privileged information back then. And, um, I didn't go blabbing it to, to anybody, but it was, it was nice to know that, uh, I remember one he said was Nick Fury. They were talking about Nick Fury, even as far back as when he was on staff. And I just remember after I absorbed that information, it was like, you mean to tell me we're going to get Nick Fury and Masterworks? I just, I just was pinching myself. It was unbelievable. And so flash forward, it's still unbelievable to be talking about these things and to know kind of what's coming um, a little bit. I don't know everything. but um, And it, honestly, I wish I didn't know as much as I do because I'm still a, a nerd fan and I like the elements of surprise. <laughs> so, But no, I, I'm just really... I know this is going to sound cheesy and maybe a little sentimental, but I'm just happy that Masterworks are keeping on. I mean, we're looking forward and uh, there's going to be more books. And, uh, you know, as long as the support is there, uh, it's like every month we're going to get one and sometimes two new books to, to add to the canon. And Corey and I were talking about what might be volume 300. Um, and just to be able to forecast that far ahead and know uh, between now and then that, there's just going to be a lot more cool comics in these in this collection. It just that excites me. It it, it really does. I, I just am thrilled that Marvel's got their art and film library in harness. Um, they've got some good resource materials to draw from. They've got good staff that is able to reproduce this material. They've got people like Jeff and people like me, and you know, we're able to help sort of give the fan perspective. Uh, filter that fan perspective to them about how these books can be organized to satisfy sort of the, the real hardcore fans. You know, and then there's the people on the boards that are still supporting it, still being advocates for the, the books. And it just all adds up to be um, something. Masterworks is just something I'm still very excited about. And uh, and the Omnibus is, is an outflow of, of the success of the Masterworks. So, um, yeah, I, I'm it's, it's a good question to ask me right now because I literally was just emailing with Corey about some stuff that I know people are going to be excited about. And that <laughs> excites me. That's so, awesome. Yeah. When is this going to air? When is this show going to air? Uh, this is this is going to air probably on the 8th or 9th of December. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead and talk right now because by then I'll try to time it. But the, math, the next Masterworks is confirmed out of the Hot Shack catalog. It is going to be the Captain America volume uh 11 i think uh or volume 10 which is it it's volume 10 uh but that's that's going to be the next announcement and uh that's the first kirby yeah it's volume 10 it's the first kirby Mm. masterworks from the 70s Mm. and so if i may talk about this for just a moment absolutely uh, that book is exciting to me because um well, I didn't read a lot of those books when I was that age. I was aware of them because they used the art for the Mad Bomb cover um, for these folders, these school folders. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I forget how old you are, but I, I was, I was uh, six, I think six years old 
during the bicentennial when I was in elementary school. And it seemed like most of the boys in my class had these Marvel folders and it had the Mad Bomb art on one folder. There was some Thor, I think Thor versus Mangog or something on another one. Um, there was, a, I think, a Tomb of Dracula folder, I think. I forget. Oh, really? There were about six or seven different folders. And on the front of the folder was the comic book cover. And then when you open the folder where you tuck your school papers and your homework assignments and stuff, they had panels of artwork along the flaps uh, with you know from the comics. And then on the back, it had more panels of artwork that told the story. Um, and it was just a very abridged version. It was only a little bit of the art from the books. But I remember looking at that Captain America cover, and it just blew my mind. I was like, what am I looking at? This is just the most cool stuff ever. Just the Kirby art, those just wild, blocky, you know, dynamic designs and the coloring and the, the, the lettering was just outrageous. And um, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And it just really blew me away. And um, so, you know, I that's among the first comic book art I'd ever seen in my life. And it just so to get this stuff finally in Masterworks, now it had come out in the omnibus, but that was printed about 10 years ago or 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Corey has access to um, the best film and the best materials for this. <clears throat> but in addition to that, he sourced um, some original art, particularly from the Bicentennial Battles Treasury. And so um, this stuff is going to look sharp, sharp, sharp. And, uh, I think by the time people listening to this, uh, we'll be able to go to the website and see the page. There'll be some preview art posted um, for this. Wow. So, uh, so for some people listening to your podcast, this is the announcement. This is the Masterworks announcement. <laughs> so, the next Masterworks, which is coming in when is it? Uh, when is that? I don't know. July? Actually. Yeah, I, July. I think it's summer. July. Yeah. July of next year will be Captain America Volume 10. And it'll reprint Captain America number 193 through 200 and the Bicentennial Battles Treasury. So so we'll have the Black Panther by Jack Kirby in Masterworks, and now we'll have the first half of his Captain America run in Masterworks, looking better than ever. Now so. people are just going to be champing at the bit for the next one then. <laughs> Because we can never be happy with what we have. We can only be excited about what's next. It's a controversial era for for Kirby and and Captain America. It's not to everybody's taste. Um, Kirby wrote uh, the books. He wrote and drew them. Uh, His art was starting to create, uh, you know, some fractures. Uh, People, you know, people who were into his Fantastic Four stuff from the 60s and Thor. You know, by the mid-70s, Jack it was just a different style slightly and it was just not to everybody's taste. And the dialogue obviously is, is pure Jack and, um, you know, very sometimes awkward, sometimes weird, sometimes bizarre, sometimes, you know, just going off in tangents. Um, but, uh, if you're into that stuff, like I am, it's just so over the top and so wild. It just screams comics to me. It is the distillation of comics from that era to me. And it's, it is unique. Uh, nobody was doing comics like Jack Kirby at any time, but especially the 70s. Jack was his own thing. And uh, for anybody with an appreciation for that, 
they're going to be uh, thankful that uh, this stuff has been restored in the manner that it has been. So very much looking forward to that book. Might be uh, probably the book of the year for me when all is said and done um, uh, for, for next year. Excellent. Well, John, thank thank you again so much for joining us today and for spending so much of your time and talking about some of these upcoming books and also what you've been working on. And uh, I'm excited for uh, eventually we'll have you back on to do a little bit more of a market watch. I know you've been busy with the the current project, so maybe at some point uh, when you have time to kind of do a bit more of the um, kind of figuring out the danger zone again, we'll we'll revisit it. Sure, and I'd love to talk about that Stan Lee book a little more uh, at an appropriate time, talk about the content in it. Absolutely. Uh, As it gets closer to release, we'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, sure. Good talking to you, Adam, as always. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you so much for talking to us. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.